welcome. Tonight, the Neptune Network players present a new chilling chapter in their mystery series. Join us for another dangerous drama, an original production titled, A Will to Kill. We are pleased to announce tonight's broadcast features a celebrated star of the London stage, Sir Boris Pratt, as Webster Toombs, a dying man of considerable wealth who has assembled his nearest and dearest, or should I say, his disgruntled and dishonest heirs for a reading of his will. Who gets what might determine if Patriarch Webster Toombs lives to see another day. Sir Boris Pratt's appearance in this program is courtesy of the prestigious Duchess of Cornwall Theatre Company in London, England. A Will to Kill is sponsored by Meadowbrook Lodge, your source for weddings, banquets, and corporate events in a romantic park setting at a 100-year-old Hudson Valley estate in New Windsor, New York. Tonight, we bring you to the outskirts of London, England in the winter of 1934. Our story begins in the drawing room of Webster Toombs Castle. Lord Toombe is seated in a chair with a blanket wrapped around his legs. He appears very old and ill, and he holds a mysterious document in his aged, withered hands. Just before he drops off to sleep, his sensible security guard, Giles, enters. Mr. Toombs? Oh, Mr. Toombs! Don't, don't tell me this is it! Mr. Toombs! Um, what did you say? Uh, who goes there? Oh, it's you, Giles. What are you yelling for? I might be dying, but I'm not deaf. I'm sorry, sir, but your guests have arrived. All of them? Yes, sir. The coach picked them up at the station and everyone is accounted for. Shall I show them in? Absolutely. Who knows how much time I have, so let's get this over with. I will see to it, sir. Ah, the last will and testament of Webster Price Tombs. My relatives, for better, and in most cases worse, are about to get exactly what they deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight you will witness an evening of conflict, revenge, and family drama at its best. It has taken Giles four months of intensive investigating to locate all of my heirs. Sometimes I wish his detective work was not as good as it is. Are you ready? I certainly am not. Let me check my pulse to make sure I can survive this ordeal. Sir, may I present your guests? So stop with the formalities and show the greedy rascals in. Good Lord, you all look much worse than the last time I saw you. It's hard for me to believe I am related to any of you. Good evening to you, Father. Is that your will? Austin, where are your manners? Webster, you are looking well, considering. Considering what? The fact I may have hours to live? Mr. Toombs, that can't be. That simply can't be. What business is it of yours, Daphne? I haven't had a maid or a housekeeper since you walked out on me. But I gave you notice. 
As a matter of fact, I gave you four weeks' notice and I'm still waiting to be paid for my Get trust. away from my father! You're the reason he's knocking on death's door! Oops. Sorry, father. Death's door? Oh, you could always turn a phrase, Francis. And where have you been for the past seven years? I haven't received a phone call or a letter. You must have married well because you haven't asked for tuppence in ages. There's no need for that, father. Thanks to my best-selling book, I live very comfortably. That's not to say I'm not concerned about the future of the tomb's estate. <laughs> Sir, I didn't expect so many confrontations. If this is upsetting you, perhaps we can postpone the discussion of the will until after dinner. No, I am prepared for this, Giles. Mix me a drink and I will carry on. Now, let's start with Austin. First, I insist you accept your given name, Webster Price Tombs the Fourth. Heavens, Father, that is harsh. I shall stay with Austin, if you don't mind. Now, can we get to the reason why we're all here? I've got bills to pay. <laughs> A lot of bills to pay. Oh, Austin, why didn't you come to me? Your money is dirty, Fanny. You used my life as a source for that bawdy little bestseller of yours, Brother Behind Bars. You didn't think I would know you based the lead character on me? Why, I ought to sue you for If you had bothered to read my book, assuming you can read, you would have found out my character went to prison for a noble cause, not robbing banks dressed as Mary Poppins. This is highly entertaining, isn't it, Giles? <laughs> if you say so, sir. I see the castle looks very much like it did when we were children. How romantic of you, Webby. This tells me you've been very frugal, right down to that bathrobe you're wearing, which I believe was father's. Yes, yes, you were always stingy, which tells me there's a nice, sweet, pile of cash right under our noses. Oh, not too fast, Maddie. That's Countess Matilda. Oh, of course. Which husband bought you that title? Was it the fourth or fifth? That doesn't matter. What matters is I want what's coming to me. Countess, please. If anyone here deserves anything, it's me. I fed him clothed him, and even listened to him read Silas Marner over and over and over again, while you were... Where? Where were any of you? Oh, Daphne, stop with the dramatics. I am his daughter for crying out loud, and that counts for something. Oh, Papa, remember how it was. I was your little girl. I listened to hours of that horrible bedtime story. I laughed at your jokes and I cried, yes, cried, when you didn't show up for my dance recital. But I got over it, Papa. I am here for you. Why, I'll even read to you now and for the rest of your days. If you'll just let me have a little peek at... Like hell. Giles, get her away from me. I'm not falling for crocodile tears. Three of you will get a portion of my estate, one of you will not, and the rest will go to charity. Now, unless there are any more outbursts, 
Well, who who's getting stiffed? It surely as hell cannot be me. Sure, I, I was in the clink, I'll admit to that, but, but that was after the military school that you dumped me in. Remember that, Father? I hope you do not remember visiting me because you never did. Giles, where's my drink? Oh, sorry, sir. I've been too busy listening. Well, the least you can do is bring me my pickles and cheese. The last thing I want to do is have dinner with these scoundrels. And now for the reason you all came here tonight. What are you planning on doing with that gun, Father? I told you he has lost his bloody mind. Oh, leave him alone. It's just a game, right? It's a game, isn't it? Isn't it? Maybe not, Daphne. Maybe he's just going to eliminate one of us. Am I right, Webby? Yes, that's the plan. The other three will inherit the sum of one pound. Yes, one pound. The rest of my estate, which is valued at 42 million pounds, will go to the duck and goose quackery. No, 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 no. That is not happening. How could you? I knew we should have had him committed years ago. I, for one, am not standing for this. Then sit your pompous posterior down. Giles, bring me a pen so I can sign my will. Sorry, old man, but I don't have a pen. But I got this instead. What? what, what? Is this a joke? I'm afraid not, Webby. Now pick up that pen and sign my copy of the will. Let me guess. In that version, he's leaving everything to you. Right you are. What is going on here, Papa? Isn't it obvious? We've been duped not only by Webby, but by this, this scandalous security guard. I found you and invited you here tonight, didn't I? I wish you hadn't. Father! Use your gun and shoot him. Go ahead, pull the trigger. Yes, before you sign the will. He'll get nothing and he'll be dead. He doesn't have the strength to fire the old pistol, which gives me the edge. That's what you think. Will or no will, prepare to meet your maker, Giles, you traitor. Yeah. I hate to do this in front of your family, but they do not deserve anything less. Ah! Is he? Is he? He took one in the heart. If he's still got a pulse, it won't be for long. I've got his will. Sorry, father. What good is it? I'm not settling for one pound. Giles, what do we do now? I have no idea. As for me, I'm taking an extended vacation. I found his trove of treasures before you all arrived. As for his estate, take it to a judge. Avida Zane. And scene. Let's take five, people. Boris, come on. Scene's over. Boris, you all right? Uh, I think we have a problem here. Harriet! What's going on, Duke? Uh, Boris isn't responding. 
let me check his pulse. Oh my God, what happened? It sounded like the scene went well, no lines were dropped and the cues were tight, but he's, he's, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Oh, please. Boris Pratt is such a diva. Before the show, he said his stomach was bothering him and made Montgomery walk all the way to the Five and Dime to get him some Alpha Seltzer. Yeah, and I was right in the middle of my pre-show breathing exercises. (laughs) The nerve. Oh, yes, you and your sacred process. In my day, we didn't have all these rituals. We could just speak the speech and play the part. Oh, you two, stop squabbling. Harriet, he's toast, isn't he? I'm afraid so, honey. Oh, this is terrible, just terrible. Mr. Pratt was my mentor. Oh, it must have been his heart. It's his heart, all right. Look at the blood. He was shot. Shot? What do you mean, shot? With this. Duke, you shot him. You really shot him. Those were blanks. You know that. How could I have, how could I have shot you, him? You tell me. Okay, folks, start talking. Who loaded the gun? Didn't you? No, I laid the props out with the guns and the blanks, just like I always do. Well, someone must have put real bullets in the gun, don't you think, Stella? Oh, don't you dare look at me, young lady. I don't do props. We know. What do we do now? We'll leave him here, where he is, call the police and have them sort this out. As for you, Duke Burton, I wouldn't go anywhere. Harriet, I know you're the director, but I don't like what you're implying. I have no reason to kill the bastard. I I mean, uh, Boris. Duke, let's go outside the studio and have a private conversation. Uh, Montgomery, Stella, Lara, get Boris out of here and then pick up your scripts. We're on in 10, so let's give those listeners out there a good show. If your stomach's in a tizzy or you're feeling kind of dizzy, try Alpha-Seltzer. If you're queasy, lemon squeezy, and your life is not so easy, try Alpha-Seltzer. Ah, dissolve a tiny tablet of Alpha-Seltzer in water to soothe your upset stomach in a jiffy. Try Alpha-Seltzer today! Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two. Chet, Chet, is this microphone on? Yes, Harriet, not only is it hot, but you're on the air. Oh, I'm on the air? Oh, my. Well, uh, welcome back to our broadcast of A Will to Kill featuring Sir Boris. Wait, I, I can't do this. What am I supposed to say? How about the truth, Harriet? The network is not going to shut us down, which means you've got another 30 minutes of airtime. Use it. Oh, dear. Well, in case you are just tuning in to our production of... How about telling them who you are? Yes, right. I'm Harriet Prince of the Neptune Network Players and the director of tonight's broadcast of A Will to Kill. In case you are just tuning in, our lead actor, Sir Boris Pratt, expired 
uh, make that died during Act One. Since none of us associated with this program have ever experienced anything quite like this, I have taken it upon myself to give you a summary of the second act of our broadcast. First, I wish to extend my deepest sympathies to the friends and followers of Saboris Pratt. His untimely death has... Um, Expired? Untimely death? Don't you mean murdered? Do you really think our listeners need to hear that? Ladies and gentlemen, Sir Boris Pratt was murdered tonight in our studio, and I'm speaking out about it. Why, Montgomery? What purpose will that serve? Our listeners might have thought it was part of the drama. Why can't you let it be? <gasps> this sounds like a cover-up to me, Harriet. You directed Sir Boris, and you treated him with utmost disdain. You didn't want him in this production from the start. And I know for a fact, you set the gun on the prop table. How dare you accuse me of murder? Sure, I had problems with Sir Boris. His ego was as fragile as a dish of jello, but murdering him was not an option. Really? What about last night's rehearsal? I'm sure you recall when he stepped out of character as Webster Toons and directed me as Austin because he thought I needed it. I heard you say under your breath, I swear I could kill him for this. Am I right about that, director? Cripes, Montgomery. I know you're a lousy actor, but that's even a stretch for you. Sure, I said it, and what director wouldn't? He disrespected me, but killing him never entered my mind. As for motive, you have had a stronger one than I did. I seem to remember Sir Boris belittling your method, an acting technique he openly despised, and one that held up my rehearsals for hours. Didn't you feel betrayed by your hero? Talk about drama. I mean, you should be an actress instead of a director. Sure, I, I worshipped Sir Boris Pratt and jumped at the chance to be in your mediocre mystery just to work with him. I studied him, saw him in several plays, and I idolized his acting technique. Enough! You stay close, Montgomery Taylor. I'm going to check on the others. You do that. I'm going to have a smoke. Hello. Harriet, are we on now? Yep, we're on, Stella, and our sponsors are gonna kill us unless someone starts entertaining our listeners. Oh, really? I suppose I am on then. Greetings, friends, fans, and followers. I am Stella Skipwood. Tonight you heard me as Countess Matilda in A Will to Kill, a charming play, though severely below my standards. Unfortunately, we will not be performing the rest of the program tonight, but lucky for you, you get to hear a song from yours truly. Poor wandering one, though thou hast surely strayed, take heart of grace, thy steps retrace, poor wandering one. Hello? What's going on here? Sweetheart, I'm practicing my craft, which is something you wouldn't understand. 
So please, I need my space. Remove yourself from my dramatic dominion. My dramatic dominion? What? Oh, never mind. Hey, I know that song. Let me help you with it. Poor wandering one, if such poor love as mine can help thee find true peace of mind, why take it, it is thine. Not bad, kiddo. Let me help you. Take heart, no danger, Lord. Take any heart but ours. Take heart, fair days will shine. Take any heart, take mine. Take heart, no danger, Lord. Take any heart but ours. Take heart. Their days will shine, take any heart, take mine. What's going on here? This isn't a musical review. You two are getting chummy. And why wouldn't we, Lara? Stella, dear, have you told Olivia how you really feel about her? And every other actress who has had the displeasure of working with you? What are you babbling about, Lara Larson? It's not my fault Daphne is the first role you've had in ages. What did Stella say about me, Lara? Tell me, I want to know. She simply said, you're a hick who would never know big city stardom, even if you were hit over the head with it. Oh, Stella, did you really say that? Well, if you did, it's okay. I've heard a lot worse from casting directors. Well, that was for starters. Behind your back, Stella could not stop talking about how you played up to Sir Boris and had him eating out of your hand. You were using him. Stella? Is that what you think? Come on, tell me. Stella? Yeah, Olivia, she did say that and heard that you've made a career out of latching on to older famous actors only to destroy them once you have gotten what you want. How dare you? And by the way, Stella, are you aware of what Olivia said about you? Oh, you mean uh, teaching wit in Allentown now? No, I am not aware. But whatever it is, I am sure I can handle it. If you say so. Well, I overheard Olivia talking to Boris at rehearsal today. She called you an outdated, faded husband. That does it. I'll be outside waiting for my paycheck. Yeah, I've heard enough of this talk. Well, Lara, you're one to be all accusatory. What are you implying, rich boy? Don't think you're so innocent. Yeah, I heard you talking to Harriet before the show tonight. Someone was going to blackmail you. Was that someone, hmm, Boris Pratt? Really, Chad? Is that necessary? Give me a break. I got nothing to do in here. Hey! That was a confidential conversation between me 
and my director. Yeah, but I can't help but wonder that if it was Boris who was blackmailing you, you might have found it necessary to eliminate him. Why on earth would you say that, Montgomery? Well, I just happened to overhear Boris sharing your little secret with Olivia. That's right, Laura. I know who you really are, and that person would have every reason to kill Boris Pratt. You're no good, Yankee. Well, this evening has taken an unexpected dramatic turn. <laughs> Duke! Hello! You missed uh, quite a bit of excitement. Got that right. There are so many accusations flying, you would have thought we were still on the air. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Monty, but we are still on the air. And I didn't miss a thing. Yeah, I've been in the sound booth listening to all you scoundrels spewing. Duke, where have you been all this time? Yeah, have the police been called? Mr. Pratt is getting cold and the mic is still hot. You just leave that to me, Olivia. To you? Why should we do that? Because, Harriet, I'm just the person to do it. What we need now is someone to conduct an investigation of this here case. I think we owe that to our audience. And what are your qualifications, may I ask? Let's just say I know my way around law and order. It's the, uh, family business. Ha! More like law and disorder. Yeah. I hear your mob, I mean, family, spends more time in front of a judge than a microphone. Having a hit with a microphone is better than one with a Tommy gun. I'm an actor, Lara. I left the family business and hope to be done with it once and for all. Now, enough said. Let's get on with this investigation. <clears throat> all right, folks, we're going to take a little break. I'm going to call the police and see if I can get a cop down here. If not... I'll conduct the investigation myself. After all, I'm here in the studio with a corpse of acclaim and six sketchy suspects, and one of them had a will to kill. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Oh, our bars have all the sweets, dear. And they keep teeth pearly white. Just one big bite cures your grief, dear. And although rich, it's oh so light. No, 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 Monty. This is supposed to be an upbeat jingle, not a funeral dirge. Well, it feels like the kiss of death for me. I've had enough of your attitude. Monty, now, I would like for you to try that again, but with a little more energy, please. Whatever. <clears throat> oh, the bars have all the sweets, dear, and they keep oh. teeth pearly white. Stop, stop, stop. Now you're giving it too much energy. Uh, I'm just giving it the artistry it deserves. Well, I'd like you to try it yet again. Look, I know you're not enjoying this, but I'd like you to try to fool our audiences into thinking you are. You know what, Harriet? Since you enjoy this jingle so much, why don't you sing it? Monty, you can't do that. 
Have fun, Harriet. I'm going to go get some chocolate. <laughs> oh, our boys have all the sweet dear, and they keep teeth early white. Just one big bite cures your grief, dear, and all the Dandy candy is oh so good, dear. And there's one for everyone. So get your bar today. Get sweets the right way. Now that I candy. Duke? Duke, I got the police on the phone. Do you want to take it? Sure. Use your mic and put him through. Here you go, Duke. Hello, Duke Burton here. Evening, Mr. Burton. It seems to be the trouble. Well, I'm here at the Neptune Network studio. We're in the middle of a radio program tonight. Oh, yes, a will to kill. Look, I have to say, I absolutely love what you're doing with it. A murder, what a clever idea. You had me fooled. No, 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 officer. There actually has been a murder here tonight. Right here in the studio, there was a- uh, Of course, of course. Sir Boris Pratt. The man always knew how to feign a good death. <laughs> But officer, he's, he's really dead. I, I need help down here. Oh, of course you do. I get it. It's all a part of your program. Oh, actors. But this isn't part of the act. I'll leave you to it then. Good night to you. Officer. 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 Well, I guess you're on your own, Duke. And not for lack of trying. Good luck with this. I'm going out for a drink. Not so fast. No one is going anywhere until we find out who killed Boris Pratt. Harriet, I need you to get everyone in here now. Are you trying to direct me? This is life or death, Harriet. Round them up. Everybody, listen up. I know we've got a show to do, but we can't do anything until this murder is solved. This is ridiculous, Duke. It was you who fired the gun and killed Boris directly. What do you say, everyone? Shall we turn Duke in so we can close this case and get on with our show? Listen, fellas, I may have shot Pratt down, but someone put live ammo in the gun, and I'm going to interrogate each of you to find out who did. Since overhearing all the commotion earlier, I've done some investigative work on each and every one of you, starting with you, Stella. Oh, please. What could you have possibly uncovered on me? My reputation is stainless. Is it really? Then why are you slumming it in radio with us? Shouldn't you be on tour with the cast of some Gilbert and Sullivan production? Well, I'm sure I would be, if not for Boris some... Pratt? Nonsense. I barely knew the man. How would you explain this engagement ring, then? <gasps> you fiend! 
How dare you rifle through my purse like that? So you and Boris were engaged? No. Well, yes, years ago, back when I had a career. You, we were working on, Mac I mean, the Scottish play. I was his leading lady. The two of us hit it off, and I just got out of an awful marriage. One thing led to another, and he asked me to marry him. I accepted his proposal, only to discover him kissing another young actress in the wings during intermission on opening night. Little did I know he started having an affair with her weeks before he proposed to me. So I endeavored to tarnish his name. Unfortunately, he blackmailed me first and claimed I cheated on him with the younger man. This got out around and quickly before you knew it. I was being turned away by the finest casting directors all because some fresh young floozy tickled his fancy. So you murdered Boris out of revenge? No, I did not murder Boris. Sure, I've thought about it. But I would never have the heart to do it. That's why I keep his ring with me. How sweet. Well, I'm not done with you yet, Stella, but for now, let's turn our attention to Monty. It's Montgomery. Montgomery Taylor the Second, to be precise. And if you question me any further, I'll sick my daddy's lawyers on you. Interesting. You could have easily sicked your lawyers on Boris, but I suppose murder was the best way to silence him once and for all. <laughs> Why would I want to murder a man I idolize? Let me answer that. An idol worshiper is one step away from an iconoclast. Experience tells me humans have a tendency to destroy that which they once worshiped, especially when the idol isn't quite what we thought it was. Yeah, I kind of like that. We had a boss in my family. I used to look up to. But after I got close to him and saw what a rat he really was, I was hoping someone would take him out. I get it, Duke. I know what Harriet was trying to tell me. Sure, I, I was disappointed in the late, not so great, Sir Boris, once I started working with him on this radio drama, but I did not kill him. Even though he openly belittled you and your bogus acting techniques that should have stayed in the classroom? I got $7,000 of my old man's money invested in those classes. And I got nothing to show for them. The, the show was supposed to be the start of my career. And now look. Now look where I am. I have nothing. Nothing except the scars left by Forrest Pratt's insults. And I don't need to hear any more from you! Oh, Marty! I've been through a lot worse. You just have to tough it out. This business is not for the weak. I'm glad you brought that up, Olivia Oliver. I'd like to talk to you about your relationship with the deceased. Mr. Pratt was my mentor. He was like the father I never had. I wouldn't hurt him. Father figure? I think you saw Sir Boris as something beyond a father figure. What are you trying to say, Duke? A lot. But first, let's have a piece of evidence do the talking. I found this book in your purse. Take a look, everyone. It seems our girl from Allentown was hoping to reinvent herself. 
not only as a delicate debutante, but as a member of the royal family and a companion to Sir Boris Pratt. Let me see that book. From Hick to Heiress, A Woman's Guide to Claiming the Social Throne. Olivia, would you mind explaining this? What did you expect me to do? I came to the big city in search of fame and fortune. And look at me. I'm a two-bit radio actress. Boris was my ticket out of this slum and onto greater things. And your scheme didn't work, did it? When Sir Boris rejected you in your tawdry dreams and schemes, you decided to punish him by taking his life. That's crazy talk. Sure, I was miffed at Mr. Pratt, but I would never, ever kill him. I'm sure our listening audience would disagree, Olivia. Your motive is as strong as anyone else's. Well, you all look pretty darn guilty. I'm going to get out of here before one of you takes me down. Not so fast, Laura. We haven't heard from you tonight. What's there to say? I'm a good New Yorker who worked her way into radio after serving my time on the Lower East Side, running a police circus. Sure, like anyone who has strived to become a good Yankee. What are you implying, Duke? Well, people come to the big city every day in search of a better life. People from Ireland or Poland or Russia. What do you take me for? I've lived in New York all my life. I'm a born and bred American, American. American? Don't you mean American, Lara? Or should I say, Varushka Vladimirsky? <gasps> Where did you get the name? Who told you? Was it that no good Boris Pratt? Did he tell you? Oh, I knew it. He didn't have to. I figured it out for myself. <laughs> what I did learn from Boris was the fact that he was blackmailing you. What? Why would that rotten, no good, filthy British skunk tell you that? Because he was scared. The poor guy was afraid of you. Maybe he shouldn't have demanded the money from you in exchange for keeping your Russian identity a secret, but he did. And once he did, he realized he couldn't trust you. He feared for his life. Why on earth would he fear for his life? He threatened to have me departed. He called me no good commie, a threat to society. Is there something I'm missing? Why would Sir Boris Pratt blackmail someone who could barely afford the subway to the studio? Because he was broke. Boris broke? That doesn't make any sense. His silver cigarette case is worth more than my apartment. That's funny. I thought he owed you money, Duke. Yeah, he was broke. My family lent him money to pay his hotel bill here in the city, but that's my business. Let's get back to Laura and her motive for killing Sir Boris. Good grief! I didn't kill him. Sure, my livelihood was online, but I wouldn't have killed him. For that. And as for guns, I've never handled guns. But give me a good sword, and I'll show you what No, 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 no need for that, Rushka. I know you were the top saber slinger at the Coney Island slideshow. Sideshow. <laughs> Speaking of sideshows, why haven't you interrogated our director? Ah, uh, yes. Our dauntless director, Harriet Prince. She was the one who placed the gun, after all. Thanks for referring to me as dauntless, Duke. At least you took direction from me, which is more than I can say for the dearly departed Sir Boris. 
As for the gun, I did place it on the props table, and you know darn well that I had to act as stage manager too, due to our limited budget. But I loaded the gun with blanks. As for who substituted the blanks for live ammo, I haven't got a clue. Point taken, but you are a suspect, and I want to explore your motives. Our listeners deserve no less. Like the rest of us, you're building a career in radio, and I can only imagine what an honor it was for you to be given the opportunity to direct the celebrated Sir Boris Pratt. Yes, of course. But it didn't just, it just didn't work out the way you wanted it. Am I right? You know damn well that's true, as do the rest of you. All you witnessed what I suffered at the hands of Sir Boris. He wouldn't take a single direction from me, and then last night... He went so far as to override a direction of mine and direct Montgomery. I've worked too hard to be where I am today, and I take my position with Neptune Network very seriously. I'm not about to let anyone take away what I've earned. 15 seconds, everyone. 15 seconds. Thank you, 15. Well, let's wrap this up then. For the sake of our listeners and for those of you who have been dozing off, we have a dead body in the studio. We have six suspects, six motives, and a gun that was not supposed to be loaded. One of those sketchy suspects loaded the gun and made sure I had access to it so I could unwillingly kill Sir Boris. So, who done it? I'll be back after the break with the results. Neptune Network, Olivia Oliver speaking. To whom do I owe this pleasure? Bernard Hayward? Oh, the author of A Will to Kill. Yeah, sorry we've been messing with it. The script is real swell and all, but Mr. Pratt was shot dead and we don't know what Olivia, to do. Olivia, give me the phone and get out of the sound booth. Good grief. Actors, <sighs> Hello, Mr. Hayward. Look, I'm really very sorry about everything, and... Oh? You like what we've been doing? But we've got a real dead body here in the studio. But that doesn't bother you? Oh, okay, you you want us to proceed. Well, I can't guarantee we'll kill someone every time we do this play, but I'll tell the others and have to continue. Thanks, Mr. Hayworth. No, I'm not the murderer. What are you raving about, Harriet? Bernard Hayward was on the phone. Yeah, who knew he was the author of A Will to Kill? All right, all right, listen up, everyone. Hayward likes what we're doing, so I say we wrap this up and give our listeners the big reveal they're waiting for. Duke, you're on. Thanks, director. Well, during the commercial break, I did some snooping around the studio and managed to uncover the truth. That's right, I know which one of you is guilty. Now, Stella over here looked pretty suspicious. I will not tolerate any more of this tomfoolery. If I may, Stella, now. Miss Skidwood had every reason to kill Mr. Pratt. He broke her heart and soiled her career. He took everything she had, but she didn't do it. It was love that broke her and love that stopped her from doing the deed. After all, she still carries his ring. Having played Lady M, 
She also knows a thing or two about daggers, but guns, I'm not so sure. So the killer must know about guns. Funny you should speak so soon, Monty. I happen to know that when you couldn't find work as a stage actor in the big city, you went upstate and did some work as a historical reenactor. Yeah, I've seen those reenactments with those great costumes and real guns. So what? So we've established your motive and know for a fact that you've handled a gun or two before. That's right, Duke. Remember we both auditioned for off-Broadway play, The Thug and Thespian. And as part of our callback, we had to fire a gun. I remember you handling your gun really well. What of it? I take my work very seriously, and I wanted the part of the thug. But you didn't get it. Lara, on the other hand, was cast in that play, weren't you, Lara? Yes. It was one of my finest moments. There was talk I would be nominated for a prestigious Moorhead Award. Well then, it seems that swords weren't the only weapon you've brandished. I knew it! I knew Lara was hiding more than just a secret identity. Nice job, Duke. Well, she's the only one hiding something, Olivia. What do you mean? I'm not hiding nothing. Okay. I'll admit it. I got... astigmatism. Really? I hear they don't eat much. No, no. I think you're hiding more than a misshapen cornea. For goodness sake, get on with it. Yes, my career is on the line. I need this case closed now. Let's start with this gun. I thought you were told to leave that where it was. It's evidence. This isn't the gun that killed Sir Boris. This is the original prop gun, which I found deep in Olivia's coat pocket. I also found something else in Olivia's coat pocket. A receipt for a gun that was purchased earlier today at Polly's Pawn Shop at 8th Avenue. The location is half a block away from the rooming house where Olivia Oliver resides. Olivia? I'm shocked. She's the least likely suspect. Olivia, how did you do it? Tell us. Our author and our listeners are dying to know. And don't forget the director. All right, all right, all right. Stop your yammering. I did it. I did it. I killed my boo-boo bear, and I'm not sorry. In the end, he was no friend of mine, or yours, or yours, or yours. You're all jealous because of the fact that I beat you to it. I didn't think I'd have to kill him, but, but he wouldn't take my hand in marriage. That would have been my ticket out of here. I would have been rich and famous. I would have been... Dame Olivia Oliver Pratt. God save our gracious queen. God live our noble queen. God save the queen. But no, that couldn't happen. Because he still had eyes for Stella Skipwood. Boris, he still loved me. After all we went through. Yeah, he did. Not that it matters now. Oh, Boris, my love. I'm sorry you had to perish like this. Duke, 
I got that cop on the line. Tell him to bring a squad car, handcuffs, and some backup. This case is closed. our broadcast of Murder Cafe's original production, Murder on the Air. Tonight's program featured the Murder Cafe players, Jessica Boyd, Andrew Waltman, Crystal Tweed, David Smilow, Nanette Ayers, David Shabowitz, and Marissa Gorsline. Murder on the Air was written and directed by Jessica Boyd and Frank Marquette. Kenny Dreo provided sound and audio editing. The sponsor for this program is the Meadowbrook in New Windsor, New York. An excellent catering facility in a romantic park setting on a 100-year-old Hudson Valley estate. Beautifully landscaped gardens outside are complemented inside by two elegantly appointed catering suites, complete with private cocktail lounges, bridal suites, and spacious dining accommodations for 40 to 700 guests. The Meadowbrook offering quality catering at a sensible price. For information, call 845-562-5918. Thank you for listening to Hudson Valley Radio Theater and for being a part of our world of imagination and mystery. <laughs>